And one story that always kind of captures my imagination. The streets lost culture. <laughs> and you're listening to Kerning Cultures. Football fans will know these sounds well. Hope, anguish, screaming at the top of your lungs from sheer happiness. That emotional roller coaster we all love this sport for. And as the over 1 billion people watching the games will know, today we're into the semifinals of the 2018 World Cup. So we thought it was fitting to share a story with you about one team's path to what was their first World Cup in 28 years. This story, by the way, was actually first suggested to us by some of our listeners. So thank you, Casey family, for kicking off our first sports story. Yes, pun intended. Today on Kerning Culture is a special mid-month episode for a special look into the Egyptian national team's road to the World Cup. The Egyptian national team, by the way, is affectionately called the Pharaohs. I'm Hibba Fisher, and you're listening to Kerning Cultures, radio documentaries from the Middle East. Today's story is brought to us by producer Alex Atak. In recent years, there's been this idea going around amongst football fans that the Egyptian national team is cursed. They haven't qualified for a World Cup since 1990. I mean, they've come close a handful of times, but not close enough. Then, in 2011, they brought on a new coach. He was an American called Bob Bradley, and the hope was that he could coach the Egypt side to the 2014 World Cup in Brazil. But the timing was awful. The Egyptian revolution had just broken out earlier that year. For football, that meant that the Egyptian Premier League was only played intermittently. But Bob Bradley still made it work. He selected a team and kept his players fit by pulling together international friendly games while they weren't playing club football. Things were going pretty much well until 2012. This is Hatem Meher, a Cairo-based sports reporter, and he's been covering football in Egypt for over a decade. But things dramatically changed after the 2012 disaster in Poussaïd. On February 1st, 2012, Al Nasri, the Egyptian Premier League team in Port Said, hosted Al Ahli, a team from Cairo. Uh, traditionally, the fans of Port Said do not like Cairo and do not like Al Ahli because they, they always believe the club is getting special treatment from authorities because it's the most popular club in Egypt. So we, we had football-related problems even before the revolution, but the difference is, was that before the revolution, security was very strict. So it was very difficult for the fans to get in any fights. After the revolution, security wasn't as strict, and so it was easier for fights to escalate. I feel like it's important to mention here that when Hatem talks about fans, he's talking about a group of hardcore fans known as ultras intimidating large groups of mostly male fans whose level of support is fanatical. It's common for ultra groups to be involved in physical clashes or insulting chants at games, and rivalries are often drawn along political or religious lines. So that day in February 2012, Al-Masri came from behind to win 3-1. After the final whistle, the rivals of Al-Ahli just were allowed to pour onto the pitch and to the opposite stands where Ahli fans were, uh, were standing. The two sets of fans clashed on the pitch. Al-Akli fans were beaten and stabbed as the cameras kept rolling. 
74 people died at Portside that night. Many of the, of the more than 70 Ahli fans who died, died because of a stampede and others were thrown from high from the stands. Uh, it, was, it was an unforgettable night. I went to the railway station right after the game to wait for the, uh, for the returning fans who returned with the corpses of, of their friends. This was a very, a very sad day. Uh, and one I, 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 would like, I would like to forget, although it's, it's very difficult. It was one of the most tragic events in recent footballing history. And it was also a night that changed the way a lot of players and fans felt about the game. I personally know many Ahli fans who abandoned football altogether after the post-site disaster. They said, if people are dying because of football, then it's not worth it. Doing sports coverage at the time, for me, sometimes I thought it was irrelevant. I thought, I personally thought I should uh, switch to any other field in journalism because people no longer cared and because I emotionally was greatly affected by what happened in Pursaid. Premier League games were cancelled indefinitely and some members of the national team retired from football altogether. There was no football in Egypt and actually nobody, nobody cared. It's, it was the first time that Egypt was approaching a World Cup qualifying uh, campaign amid little interest in the team and little interest in football in general. But Bob Bradley still had his job to do. Over the next year, he put together a team for the World Cup qualifiers. It wasn't easy, but he did it. And they did pretty well. They were actually unbeaten in their group. The only thing left was a match against Ghana. If Egypt won, they'd head to the 2014 World Cup. As the team inched closer to qualifying, fans started coming back to the sport. They wanted to see their team play in Brazil. That was a dream for many because many people were not even born when Egypt played at the last World Cup in 1990. So the build-up to the Ghana game was filled with social media comments and people even in the streets and in cafes speaking about the Egyptian national team for the first time. Okay, so Egypt actually didn't win that game. They, they lost 6-1. There would be no 2014 World Cup for Egypt, but the loss didn't do anything to diminish the renewed sense of interest in the game. In Egypt, enthusiasm for football was back. In 2015, Bob Bradley left as team manager and Egypt replaced him with Hector Cooper from Argentina. As the team entered the next qualifying round for the 2018 World Cup, things were looking pretty hopeful. But by their second to last game, they still weren't confirmed to qualify. The deciding match was against Congo and if Egypt won, they'd be headed to the World Cup in Russia. Roughly 75,000 people showed up to watch the game at the Borj El Arab Stadium in Alexandria. People all around the country were watching from cafes and living rooms. It was a huge occasion. The game remained scoreless for the first 60 minutes. Then Mohamed Salah, an Egyptian who plays for Liverpool, got the ball. So when, when Mohamed Salah finally scored, they thought it was over. He scored, I think, in the 63rd minute or something. So people expected that this would be enough for an easy win and we will not be having any difficulties for the rest of the match. But that was not meant to be as, uh, as usual. Egypt always gives <laughs> its fans a heartbreak. And that happened when they, when, when they equalized. Congo scored in the 86th minute with just four minutes of gameplay left. You can hear the disappointment in the commentator's voice. The cameras cut to shots of Egypt fans holding their heads. 
It looked like their World Cup hopes had been pulled out from underneath them at the very last minute. After they equalized, what, what was so dramatic is the scene of Salah hitting the ground uh, in anger and then rising up again and shouting at his teammates to get the ball back and to try to score a winner. Amid the, the, the cheese of the Egyptian national team, a hopeful long ball was sent to the area and Mahmoud Chizegi was hauled down uh, and out of nowhere the referee points to the spot. Egypt was awarded a penalty kick. Salah would take the shot and the stadium erupted. Players dropped to their knees, the managers and sub-bench jumped to their feet and ran onto the pitch in celebration. Egypt had been given one last opportunity to secure their place at the World Cup. Even before he took the penalty, uh, I liked what uh, Liverpool coach Jürgen Klopp said when he said it's the first time for him to see people cele celebrating a penalty as if it has already been scored. I think this is this one of the most ha happy moments in the history of Egyptian football. After the furore subsided, Salah placed the ball down on the spot and took a minute to compose himself. Egypt fans looked down with clenched teeth, their hands clasped over their eyes. I actually did not did not watch the penalty itself. I could not. It was very difficult to uh, to have my eyes set on the TV when when Mohamed Salah was going to take the penalty. <laughs> I prefer not to watch it and just wait for the reaction of the people to know whether it's it has been scored. The referee's whistle blew. Salah stepped towards the ball and struck right while the goalkeeper dived left. A wall of noise erupted from the crowd and the Egypt team chased Salah in celebration. Cameramen, coaches, substitutes, they all ran onto the pitch and mobbed Salah. Technically the game wasn't even over yet, but it might as well have been. Personally, it was also the happiest moment. Maybe, ah, I, yani, for me, it's the happiest moment in my entire life, not, not just in football. Yani. <laughs> that was the, 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 the best moment of my life. There were wild celebrations all over the city. I, uh, I roamed the streets of Cairo after the game. I went to Tahrir Square, and that was, uh, for me, was a very emotional sign because it was the first time I see any scene of celebration in Tahrir in years. There have been uh, severe restrictions on protests in Tahrir in the past in the past five or six years. So this maybe was the only time that people were united in celebrations in Tahrir. It was the only time that all people with very different affiliations gathering together in the iconic Tahrir Square to celebrate a football achievement. Uh, and, and celebrations went all over the night. Egypt had done it. For the first time since 1990, and for the first time in the young generation's lifetime, they'd qualified for the World Cup. Not only that, but they'd qualified for the World Cup with Mohamed Salah, who was quickly becoming one of Liverpool's most celebrated players. Things were looking hopeful. But a few months later, during the Euro Cup finals, Liverpool, the club Salah played for, faced Real Madrid. It was May 26th, just a few weeks before the World Cup was due to start, and in the 26th minute of the game, Real Madrid's Sergio Ramos pulled Salah down onto his left shoulder, and he had to be taken off. If it was a dislocated shoulder, he'd almost definitely miss the World Cup. That, that moment uh, maybe resembled a defeat for the Egyptian national team. The feast that engulfed people at the time was, was, was great, because they felt that Egypt would not make anything in the World Cup if Salah did not make it. 
many many people just put their put their hands on their faces because they feared the worst. When Salah limped off with tears in his eyes, for, for many people that was an indication that it was a very serious injury. No one really knew what the next few weeks would bring and no one really knew whether Salah would be well enough to play in the World Cup or not. He'd become this hero icon in Egypt, the man who everybody's eyes would be on this tournament. So in the lead up to the World Cup, fans were making preparations, checking in on the status of Salah's injury, booking flights to Russia where the games would be held, and stocking up on football jerseys that they could wear in support of their team. We wanted to know what all this was like, what it meant for Egyptians, and so in the lead up to the World Cup, we had this idea to try and collate as many Egypt fans' experiences as possible. So we asked for your help. We sent out a bunch of questions to Egypt football fans and just asked them to reply with WhatsApp voice notes. So what you're going to hear next is, is the experience of the World Cup told through WhatsApp voice notes by people who were there. We started planning the trip as soon as Egypt won the game uh, against Congo that qualified it for the World Cup. I wanted to go. I love football. I love soccer. I've played it off and on my whole life. I've always religiously watched the World Cup no matter where I was. My dream was always to see the Egyptian team play. My dream was always to go to the World Cup. And I felt like I was running out of time. So I told myself, if Egypt gets in, I'm going. It felt like history was in the making and there was no way for me to miss out on this. Because really, how often do we get to play at the World Cup? This doesn't really happen and this is a once in a lifetime opportunity and I'm not going to miss it. It's one thing to go as a casual fan and like be in the stadium and watch a beautiful game. It's another thing to actually represent your country and cheer for your country and be part of that force that's basically supporting your team throughout the World Cup. So I packed pretty much um, all of my Egypt fan gear. So I had uh, an Egypt jersey in the old fashioned in the Puma style. My wife and I had just bought Mo Salah t-shirts. So we had matching t-shirts. And of course, uh, my Egyptian flag, which I purchased when I was a sophomore in college. So I had to find that and I packed that too. So before even getting to the country, just boarding the plane from the US and looking at the people around you, you get a sense of like how special this event is. Every single person on the plane was dressed up either in their, um, in their country's flags or wearing like their national team jerseys. Like most of the plane, for instance, were from Mexico. And you're seeing a lot of people dressed up in green, wearing their um, mariachi hats, and they're just like singing and chanting. And it felt like a very festive flight, a festive 12-hour flight. Going there, it just feels like a huge like dress-up party. People were on the street almost all day and all night. Everyone was happy, everyone was proud, everyone was optimistic, people were all positive. It felt like a real La La Land. And it's the most incredible experience you can possibly have. 
you run into, I, I ran into people from high school or like people from college that I haven't seen in like over a decade. And you feel a sense of national pride. Like you huddle around your, uh, your, your people and you start like chanting as loud as possible, like your country's national anthem and you start dancing and people like gather around and like take videos. When the Egyptian anthem came on, it was very emotional moment to a lot of people. Um, it was really, really cool to, to see something like that happen and so grand. And, and you know, with everything that's going on in Egypt, it was a moment, a moment of kind of a well-deserved break from everything that's happening. So everyone gets to St. Petersburg or plans their viewing parties from home and now we're up to June 15th. It's Egypt's first 2018 World Cup game and they're playing against Uruguay. Salah was still on the bench for this game because his shoulder was still injured. They will start without their superstar, Mohamed Salah, the uncrowned king of his country. For the first game, like, I was really happy when I was attired for the whole game. This means they were doing a really good job. They managed to hold Uruguay off almost the entire game until, until like stoppage time, it was still nil-nil. Then with literally just one minute left to go, Uruguay's Jose Imenez scored a header from a corner and Egypt lost one nil. Finally it comes for Uruguay! They lead one nil in stoppage time. Egypt's hearts are broken. I was a little bummed, but it was only 1-0 and I felt like, you know, okay, Mohamed Salah did not play. You know, it could have been a lot, lot, lot worse. Let's take that hit and let's move on. But really the, the kind of the punch in the face, if you want, was during the Russia game. Can Russia virtually clinch a place in the last 16? The best the host nation have ever done was as the old Soviet Union back in 1966 in England. So going into the next game against Russia, Egypt still had a pretty good chance of advancing to the next round. Salah was back on the team and they still had everything to play for. To get to the stadium, we had to take the subway, and it was insane amounts of Egyptians in the subway. People were all over the subway chanting Mo Salah, chanting for Egypt, chanting Masrawi. The excitement was just insane. The amount of people was seas and seas and seas of Egyptian flags, kind of very reminiscent of photos you'd see from Tahrir Square, you know. It was truly a euphoric experience. I thought we were going to rock the stadium and they're going to give the performance of their career. This is this is real. This is big time. The stakes were high and it was a must win game for us to move on. And I just felt like all these years cheering on this team, all these years dying to go to a World Cup, like, come on, I need you guys to win. The first half went by and Egypt was holding their own. At halftime, it was still tied 0-0. Then, while trying to clear the ball from the penalty area, Egypt scored an own goal. Too near the goalkeeper, elected to punch it. Zobnin plays it back in again. It deflects into an own goal! Well, this is a crisis now. And then Russia scored again. Mario Fernandez back and that's 2-0! And again. Zuba brought that down beautifully. He's got a chance and he scored! Russia running riot! 
once the the first goal got scored and it was a self goal, you can kind of feel that the the crowd died down a bit. The Russian chants were much more higher than the Egyptian chants at that point. Um, and yeah, you kind of feel from the second goal on that it just was downhill. At some point, I was clapping for the Russian team after they scored the goals. Second goal, ah, salute, salute. Third goal, yeah, keep going. I just got so pissed. Everyone got so pissed. No one was even cheering. No one would ever dare to cheer. People were very angry because they thought we we could have done much better in the game because it was it was a manner that was that many people uh, considered humiliating to lose uh, to, to to concede three goals in that way. I was very sad after the game. I was frustrated. I was disappointed. I told myself I'm so glad I'm going home tomorrow because. I wouldn't have enjoyed the trip if it had been any longer. The game ended 3-1 with Salah scoring the single goal for Egypt in a penalty kick. It was the first World Cup goal for Egypt in 28 years. I asked Hatem if Salah scoring that goal was at least any kind of consolation, if in some way Egypt fans could be proud that they didn't come home from the World Cup completely empty-handed. They are very, very disappointed. This is mainly because expectations notably rose o- over the over the past few months, especially at a time when we are having very difficult economic uh, problems. Recently, we have seen inflation hitting highs, and the, there were recent economic measures, austerity measures that made the lives of people much harder. Uh, so, for many, that was a great opportunity to have something to 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 cheer about. That was the thing many people spoke about when we lost to Russia. They said we were finally ready to be happy about something and that even that our dream was shattered. After the second game against Russia, there was still one more match against Saudi Arabia. There wasn't a chance for Egypt to keep playing in the World Cup, but this match was something of a friendly rivalry. We still had another game against Saudi. You know, we were already out, but I felt like dignity was at stake here. Uh, we're a much better team than Saudi Arabia is. We always have been. And we needed to just kind of make a final statement before exiting. And it just, it was a horrible match. It was horrible. And I guess I was much more bummed about that than anything else, that we couldn't even scrape some dignity. It was a shame. Egypt lost that final game against Saudi Arabia 2-1. Mohamed Salah, the biggest talking point of the Egypt team this year, scored his second goal of the tournament. But after the goal, he didn't kneel to the ground in prayer like he's known for. He just turned unsmiling as his teammates ran to congratulate him. This moment seemed to reflect the mood surrounding Egypt's unceremonious exit from the World Cup. It's hard to deny that there was a sense of disappointment, but there's always going to be another World Cup, and we'll always support the Egyptian team. I feel like Egypt has always been this country that has an enormous amount of potential that is unable to live up to, um, and that it always kind of shoots itself in the foot. And I always get so excited about you know whatever it is the the 2011 revolution, um, the opportunities for tourism, Hamad um, Salah, and then every time I'm always disappointed. And I felt like this game uh, was really a manifestation 
of that. And part of me even thought, like, why did we even qualify for this tournament? Okay, so for all the heartbreak that Egyptian fans felt this World Cup, we wanted to leave you with this. After the match against Russia, one of our voice noters, Sharif, was walking back to the metro station. And he told us this story that kind of that kind of just reminds us what these games were all about in the first place. We were all pretty upset after the, uh, the Egypt-Russia game. Very much so that as we're walking out of the stadium, I actually had to take off the flag that I was wearing around my shoulder and put in my pocket because all the, the Russian fans were taking selfies with me and it felt like they were doing it out of spite, like, hey, look at the losers. Um, I just wasn't in the mood for like photos or any of that stuff. But as we're walking towards the metro station, a Russian guy comes up to me carrying his like child on his shoulder and he's tapping on my shoulder. And I look towards him and he's gesturing me with like, he's reaching out his hand with a flag, basically like a Russian flag in the shape of a scarf and just like, po- like poking at me with it. And I wasn't sure what he wanted exactly. I'm like, I don't understand. Okay, you won, haha. And he kept like, on and on, like just pointing with it. And my friend who was walking with me, he tells me he's trying to actually give you his flag as like, you know, a gesture of uh, good sportsmanship. And as it turns out, he just wanted to exchange flags, which I thought was a really cool thing. And, you know, a sign of good sportsmanship. So I reached out my pocket, gave him my flag and took his. This episode was produced by Alex Atak and Alexandra Chavez, with editorial support by Dana Balut and myself, Hibba Fisher. Sound design by Alex Atak. A huge, huge thank you to everyone who sent us voice notes about their World Cup. To Sharif Abdesalam, Omar Amr Kutbi, Leila Kabalan, Hassam Youssef, Inji Basuni, Menan Omar, and to Hatem Meher for bringing us along his journey of football in Egypt. Now, I want to highlight something. We first started researching this story because you told us to. A few of you told us you wanted a story about the World Cup, or Mohamed Salah, and we started putting this together. That's all to say, please keep telling us what you want to hear. We want to continue making the kinds of stories that you love. Thanks for listening. Until next time.